0: Hello, and welcome to Two Houses, a podcast about two people living with DID. My name is Valentine, and I am here with Kali today. Um, It has
1: been a while. Yeah, it's been a year. Yeah, a little more, I think. We survived.
0: We survived, and we're here.
1: I'm fully vaccinated.
0: I'm almost fully vaccinated. (laughs) We're getting there. But yeah, um... Some big things have been happening, and we figured it might be worth making a podcast about.
1: Yeah, cause you know we talk about did, and we sort of talk about why we're here as we are, as alters or whatever. Um, but the other aspect is the therapy and the healing and the things coming to light about abuse and you processing abuse and um so yeah we've been working on healing you know and uh very actively too it's not just a
0: passive sort of i'm slowly healing through time it's a i'm actively working on healing something like specific traumas right now yeah
1: watching a lot of youtube videos
0: yeah some pretty good ones out there
1: hitting up some brene brown
0: oh yes vulnerability (laughs) Um, reading some books. Reading some books, yeah. Some really, really powerful books about healing Peter from trauma. Peter Walker. Pete Walker. Pete Walker. Good book. Yeah. Some PTSD. From surviving to thriving. Yeah. And then um, the
1: crappy childhood fairy on YouTube.
0: Oh yeah, she's great. She really gets it. Mm-hmm. Complex PTSD. That's what we're dealing with. That's what we're trying to heal.
1: Because uh, it's like. PTSD, but next level. Yeah, that's what they say. Mm -hmm. I think they were saying that the difference between complex PTSD and PTSD is like, PTSD is for a very specific moment in time. Whereas complex PTSD is an extended amount of time of abuse. Right, so long term. Long term.
0: Yeah, and it causes a... A lot of the same issues,
1: but also like a slew more of them. And as you get older, it multiplies. And starts to really dramatically affect your whole entire life.
0: Yeah. That is absolutely, I think, both of our experience of it.
1: Like you start recognizing where it's actually holding you back. Mm -hmm. Because you're starting to become aware of those reactions that you have about things that are actually, what, an emotional flashback mm-hmm. to a very specific time period, and so you're responding from that childlike, whatever. Mentality, mentality. yeah. Mentality.
0: Yeah, it's very much about recognizing how your current behaviors are a lot of times rooted in trauma and your reaction <clears throat> to it. And uh, that's really hard.
1: Yeah, so, you know, that's what we've been doing. And, oh, and um, Ionla Fix My Life. Uh, that is what really got it going. Ionla
0: Van Zant. Oh, that woman. She She really gets it, too, I think.
1: Yeah, the whole concept is that in that show... Yonle goes in to fix families in what she calls the breakdown, Um, which means, like, the family is just sort of, haven't really been talking to each other for years, but somebody in the family is like, I really want to bring us back together, but there's so much dysfunction and um, trauma and secrets and lies and, um, like, word you slew. There's just, like, this slew of bullshit upon Mm -hmm. bullshit. And it's just, like, a family pathology. Yeah. Where if you're familiar with, like, ACA, adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, or um, that type of thing, you're aware that what happened to you is also probably something that happened to your parents. And their parents probably had the same similar thing happened to them and it's just like constant
0: yeah that it's a pathology that's kind of
1: like passed down Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily the best inheritance but it's the most um, solidified
0: and it's actually really common I think that's something that we're both learning through Mm. this is that a lot of the things we've been through we're definitely not alone
1: I mean, they have a whole TV show. Or two. Or three. <laughs> or ten, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, watching that show, I think, is what really got us heading down the path that I'm about to talk about. Yeah. Um, and the crappy childhood fairy is what led us to Iyanla mm-hmm. through a series of conversations um, with you guys. So, yeah.
0: So... It sounds, and I know already, you know, mm-hmm. but, like, let's let other people know. What <laughs> what has been going on? What has been triggered and is, like, really up for you at the moment and why?
1: Um. So, I think we've mentioned in previous podcasts that we were sexually abused by somebody in our family. And that abuse happened when we were eight. And the... The background here is that um when we were eight years old we told our parents that this person was abusing us and touching us inappropriately and their first response was when you get back in there if it happens again you know scratch him leave a mark do something that will prove that um he did it and You know, when you're eight years old, your first thought isn't, I can't do that. It's, I can do that. You know, I want to make my family proud. I can do this, you know, because they're asking you to do it as if you can do it. And, um, you know, it happened again and we couldn't do anything. And so we had no proof, but we told our parents anyway, and they called a family meeting and it had our grandmother... You know, our abuser, our dad, our mom and it was us there with them and it was said in that point in time that to our abuser in front of him that if he did do these things that he would be leaving. Obviously he denied it and then we were asked slash told to give him a hug and apologize. So we did and that was the first split that we can actually say we felt like the very first one Um so yeah fast forward 23 years Um, you know living with this huge thing going on um, and it wasn't up until five years ago that we set the boundary that we never want to see this person again and won't be around him ever again and we've stuck true to that um because he's never not been part of the family and you know our we know this about him we know that he's a pedophile you know we held that for ourselves as the truth because it is the truth and the family seemed to never be able to get rid of him um never understood why they wouldn't and our aunt so our aunt has two little girls and they're becoming a little bit older you know they're still kids and um, and so we felt like It was our responsibility, since our family still had this person in their life, to kind of warn her about the fact that this person touched us inappropriately. And it's somebody that she, you know, has respect for, and looks up to, and is grateful for. And so we felt like, you know, you should know that this person can't be trusted. Um... So we finally worked up the courage, and we decided to call our aunt. And this is the phone call that changed the world.
0: Well, it was, uh, I mean, I was here for it. I heard everything. It really was something.
1: Yeah. So in this phone call, we start by saying, one, we were going to try to do it face to face. So we had started out messaging her and apparently she's too busy, but she was like, you're texting me now, so what's up? So we decided, okay, we'll do a phone call because this doesn't seem like the type of conversation to have via text, you know? So we call and we're like in tears because we're terrified to even be telling her this because you don't know how a person's going to react. And so after we tell her, her first response is, I know. So automatically we're like, well, you know? Like, okay, that's surprising. I didn't think the family would have ever mentioned it. And then the next sentence out of her mouth was, it happened to me too. And that's when we lost it. Because it was like, you know, as twisted and dark as it is, you're validated. Mm -hmm. Because for 23 years, oh yeah, our grandmother, when we had to apologize and hug, it had been determined that we imagined it. Mm -hmm. So for 23 years, we're over here thinking that our family actually truly only believes that we imagined it because we've always been the only one. That had this experience with him. Um, But it turns out. But it turns out we weren't. And it happened after us. So, you know. She asked like what he had done. And we explained it to her. And I think that she didn't realize how bad it was. She said that. She said, I didn't know it was that bad. You know, and, you know, she's, like, eight years older than us, Uh eight, nine years older than us. So she was a little bit older when she was abused by him, and um, I guess she moved out. and But even that wasn't, so we're just, like, floored by the fact that, you know, we're not the only ones. Then we're like, that could have been avoided if they had just believed us. And then three, why is this person still here? Why is this person still in the family? And, you know, her advice throughout this whole thing was, you know, you just, you just got to shove it down and move on and move forward. And that was just like pissing us off. Like, don't tell me to shove this down and move on because that's just like goes against the very fiber of who we are who are who we are through our healing journey of trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with us because we were fucking a mess you know um but yeah hold on let I me. Mean, you want like oh. me to
0: prompt you a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Let me go. <laughs> so, one thing that I know and that you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier is that this family meeting mm-hmm. was where you remember the first <clears throat> split. Yeah. The first time that a did wall went up and and anesia wall. Yeah. Um. Between at least two people, because. It was so horrific. It's mm-hmm. The abuse itself was horrible, but the reaction to it caused a split.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you made a good point about when we were talking about it, that everyone in that room was our support system. Like, they were it. Mm-hmm. And everyone in that room was on his side. So having to, like, apologize and hug our abuser have somebody say you imagined it and to see your whole support system siding with this abuser you know it was like that explosion
0: something happened in your mind you couldn't hold I am safe with these people alongside these people will not keep me safe Mm -hmm. so like that right away puts up an amnesia wall because as a kid you need to feel safe Yeah, And a lot of times in situations like this, kids will split or, um, you know, compartmentalize because they need to still believe at some
1: part of their mind that they are okay. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, But apparently my aunt's coping mechanism was to shove it down and move forward, which isn't an uncommon thing to do. And it was something that we had to do, even though we didn't want to, growing up in the family. Um, when we were 21, we moved away. And that was the best thing we could have done mm-hmm. in our life. And i um, very mm-hmm. grateful to have those 10 years away to develop without the family. Um, yeah. Would not be here today probably if I didn't um but we're just sort of letting her talk
0: yeah and this phone call um it was like you were so emotionally charged I'm just saying like what I was watching Mm -hmm. and I was right next to you like hand on your knee Mm -hmm. and um there was so much emotion I mean you guys were sobbing because yeah. it was so much to take in and so much to try to process. Um, but then she started trying to give you advice.
1: Yeah. Then Yeah, the advice was just ridiculous. More like and she said something like, "I know you had a good childhood." And she said this in tears. "I see it in the pictures." And you know, we didn't really know how to respond to that other than, "I have a good coping mechanism." Which I think she was like, see, yeah, it's good. Right? Having a coping mechanism. I'm like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, it was... Oh, and then, you know, she's promising us. She's, like, absolutely promising us, you know, because she doesn't give out promises Very often, that's what she liked to point out, that her kids are safe. Because when they stay the night with their grandparents, he sleeps in the camper outside. So, this is something apparently the whole family... Not the whole family, but, like, our grandmother, our mom, our aunt. That they have come to, come to as a solution. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the kids are safe because he doesn't sleep inside the house. He stays in the camper outside. And that just seems really risky. And even though she you know, after hearing our story, decides to say that because her kids have the family blood that they would fight, and she forgets what a family tree looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. How her her sister is my mother, and that's the same thing. Um, So yeah, there's just very
0: There's a lot of denial. A lot of denial. In scary ways. There's, there's the understandable thing, like from what I was watching of your reaction, there's that understanding of her own personal struggle mm-hmm. and her own need to shove down the pain and just move forward and forget about it. And that is difficult and admirable on some level and just like she wants to move on like great. Mm-hmm. Um I would hope that there's more help out there for her. But, like, that's what she's done. Yeah. Um, but then there's the other side of it. The denial about the current situation.
1: And just the fact that everyone's okay with this. You know? that Everyone is okay knowing that there's a pedophile in the camper. That a pedophile is around them. And I'm sure that they try to act like everything's normal. When he's not in the camper. So, you know, he's probably hugging them. They're probably Mm -hmm. hugging him. And, like, it's just so twisted and dark and insane. And so I'm hearing all of this. We're all hearing all of this. And we're like, this is fucking insane. And I personally, because I've been... I've always felt very close to our mom's side of the family and I have accepted them as they are. I have stood by them. I have rooted for them. I have, you know, excused a lot of their behaviors because I love them and I didn't want them out of my life. But When I heard that this is a thing that they had decided. I lost it. I lost all respect. I lost all hope in them. Um, I was extremely betrayed. Again. You know. And... I had never really felt these feelings about my grandmother because she's always been one that was protected from us being mad at because the whole reason why we had to keep our mouth shut and what we realized needed to happen in the family to survive was that we were doing this for her we were keeping this secret we were Keeping quiet about it. We were moving forward. We were suppressing it and moving on. Trying to have a good life. For her. And. You know you look at it. And you're like. I was eight years old. When I decided. That I needed to protect my grandmother's feelings. When. That should have been. Their reaction to me. And tying into after our dad died when we were, what was it, 26, um, our mom was like, oh, you know, grandma and papa, whatever, wants to take us all out to dinner. And this is been after I told her I never want to see him again and I lost it on her that day because it was like why are you wanting me to see my abuser like if you believe me like you say you do why do you want me to see him why would you ever think that that would be something appropriate and you know it was just like this huge thing where I had to leave the room and go to my room and where I was staying while they came over. So, my abuser is now the closest he's ever been to me in years, he's just right outside the door basically. And you know, she's like, I thought it only happened once, and it's like, no, it happened more than once, and you should know that you know, and but yeah, I thought that she would have, you know, understood that I didn't want to see him again.
0: Yeah, which brings us back to the pathology in the family. Mm -hmm. Just the need to protect somebody who has done harm and not protect the innocent party.
1: Yeah, because that's what you know, or drained to do.
0: Right. And um, I know that this new knowledge has really affected you. It has really affected Vader. hmm And um, everybody. Yeah. Everybody's been affected. And you all have different feelings about it. But most of them come down to something along the lines of, like,
1: what the fuck? Yeah. That's, I think, the motto. The ch- title of the chapter is what the fuck Mm -hmm. Um, because you start really processing it and you start really seeing it through the eyes of a person who's processed a lot of trauma and come to terms with things that needed to be corrected within ourselves Mm -hmm. and you're seeing all these bits and pieces and you're like how the hell do I hold on to this? And who are these people? Who are, who are these people that consider themselves my family? People that I, I've considered my family. And how can I continue considering them my family without it feeling like bullshit?
0: Which is kind of the crisis you're in right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the crux of it. What you specifically are experiencing with this is how do I react?
1: Yeah. Like, where do you go from, from this point forward? You know, you're thinking about the next time they want to talk to you and you're like, I'm in this really angry space with you. I don't think you want to talk to me right now mm-hmm. because everything I say, you're not going to understand. Or you're, you're going not, to be in denial. You're just going to be in denial. You're going to do the same thing that you've been doing for years. Because it's the only thing you know how to do. And nothing is going to come from it. And I don't know how to communicate. In a way that you'll understand.
0: And what I'm seeing is. <coughs> it's a war between. Should I stay or should I go? Well, kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like about authenticity, right? It's about mm-hmm. how can I authentically to these people and be myself or be real or be honest in any way when it's not going to be treated the way
1: it should be yeah and the phrases and stuff that I've come up with they seem very reasonable and kind to me but as it was pointed out They wouldn't understand Mm -hmm. because they're considered what I would consider the fight types, which if you read Pete Walker's book, fight types are very defensive. And when you come at them with the authority and, you know,
0: kind of aggression,
1: yeah, kind of an aggression You know, you're being firm with them about it. They're going to respond defensively because they're going to see you as a threat. And I'm unable to communicate to them with that without that.
0: Because what you're working on is learning like since this phone call. I've seen in you guys that you are feeling the feelings around this abuse more than you probably have ever let yourselves feel it. Because you did have to suppress it. You had to pretend it never happened for the sake of your grandmother. No. So I've been watching over the past couple of weeks this all set in. And I think a big part of it is I can't bullshit with these people. No. This pain is real and I'm not willing to pretend it's not.
1: Yeah. It's like seeing how just fucked up and insane and confusing and devastating and their logic is and their decisions are. And it's just like what do you do
0: and that's where you're at right now the what do i do um and i think the answer right is to kind of say screw them Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i need to focus on me because you spent so long taking care of their feelings right now it's about you yeah it needs to be
1: so just like It feels like you're desperately trying to find an answer to something that actually probably doesn't have an answer. Like, you're looking for something that's, like, gonna change the way this feels. And it's not. I mean, there's stuff changing the way we feel, but it's not a solution. It's not an answer
0: It's not going
1: to fix it. It's not going to fix it.
0: Nothing they say or do from this point on is going to change what's happened. And uh, it's unfortunate and so sad that this happens to people. um, That they are left to pick up the pieces. Because somebody hurt them.
1: Yeah. like Bringing it back to like, I can't bullshit with them anymore. It's kind of like this resentful or more like empowering thing where it's like oh everybody knows but they don't know me I didn't have a good childhood pictures can tell a really pretty story but they have no idea what was happening internally they have no idea what I've been dealing with the past 15 years since I moved away They don't know jack shit about me anymore. Right. And it's so hard
0: because, you know, what does family mean? Who do you let into your life as family? These people, you know, they are the source of your life. Mm -hmm. But it's so painful to sit in that right
1: now. It just feels so... Play, play pretend. Oh, okay. Kind of like that's what it feels like in my mind at this point, where it's just like, this person plays my mother, and this person plays my grandmother, and I, I guess, play their daughter and granddaughter. Because to them, that is what I am, and that's all that I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So it's like a show. Yeah, it's, it's not real.
1: They don't have the real me. No. So... It's a lot. Yeah, we're just... The the stuff isn't easy when you're in it. You know, like, when you're first getting... That's what it feels like, is like you're first getting into processing trauma. Even though we've been processing trauma... And coming to terms. And new awarenesses. All the time. But. It feels like we're. Back in. This beginner stage again. But it's like playing an expert level. Yeah. And thank God you do
0: have some tools under your belt. Yeah. And thank God that we are. Learning. And that you do have a therapist. And. You know, the I have the belief, like, you are going to be okay. Yeah. And I think you believe that, too. But God, is it hard right now?
1: No. Yeah, because yeah, we just feel like we can't, we can't pretend like we're okay anymore. Right. And you shouldn't have to. So uh-huh. they don't even acknowledge us for the identity we take today. So. Right. Whatever. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. It's very complicated and
0: yet in a way it's very simple in that you just won't put up with the bullshit right now. Right now you're taking your step back and you're saying, I'm not even going to play pretend with you. I just need to take some time for me. Yeah,
1: it's like I'm not going to play pretend but I'm also going to be responsible about my actions. I don't trust my actions right now. Right. And I don't want to apologize to these people ever again.
0: So, you're going to be responsible now, so you don't ever have to apologize to them for your behavior.
1: I feel like that one apology did it all. (sighs) Damn. I think I did it. Such a twisted situation. One apology to rule them all.
0: (gasps) Yeah, and I think these are all really big, really valid feelings, and (laughs) this is where it is right now.
1: Yeah. So, if you feel like you have a crappy family, you probably do, <laughs> but you're not alone.
0: Oh, it's it is true, you know, unfortunately. You,
1: and you might get to this place where you have your own pedophile in a camper. Oh God. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking, of course. Mine is. Liberal. I hope.
0: I hope it's metaphorically speaking. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, moving forward is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be slow. I think that's the... If I were to give you advice, I would say, like, let's take this
1: slowly. Yeah. At least until we feel less
0: fury. But we're
1: learning that the anger is really
0: important. Yeah.
1: I think it's, like, the whole grieving process... That's what processing your childhood really is. It's just grieving the stuff that you didn't get. Grieving the stuff that you did get. Grieving what you don't have today. What will never be. You know, you're just grieving. But first, you're really pissed off about it. And you should be. First, you're just like, I fucking hate these people. Mm-hmm. Fucking hate these people. Why are these the family, you know?
0: Well, and especially for, like, you and I are not fight types. You know, we're, like, more freeze or fawn, mm-hmm. uh, according to this book. So to feel anger is a big step for people who have been in the roles and, the you know, reactions that we've had. So for you to actually accept and, like, feel your anger, it's, in, it's moving forward. Like, that's a big deal.
1: That's a roller coaster ride. Oh uh, yeah, I feel like our tolerance to like anything in general is pretty low right now. Everything's so raw. You know, it's just you have to pretend like you're okay at work. You have to pretend like you're okay with your verbally abusive sister. Which yeah. is a topic for a different podcast, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Um.
0: So it's very raw, it's very, very real, a lot of anger, and underneath that a lot of pain. No. Yay. So that's our
1: update. That's our update. All right.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening.